When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network, and I am your host, Mark. And not too many of us know what we want to do when we're teenagers. Hell, I'm still not entirely sure, and I'm coming up on 50. But Jennifer Hartswick did. She almost didn't have a choice. Music and entertainment ran in the family. And while she's best known for playing trumpet with legendary musicians like Trey Anastasio and Fish, Carlos Santana, Tom Petty, and Herbie Hancock, to name just a few, that's not the instrument she started with. But once she found it, it was all over. In fact, she went to college for music and at one point was asked to teach a class she was in instead of attend it. Well, it was at that point she made an important decision in her life, which was followed by a huge coincidence 10 minutes later. Jen talks about the life of an independent touring musician very candidly. We also talk about music's effect on buying groceries, the amazing advice she received from Herbie Hancock, and the beauty and importance of falling on your ass. Check out her latest album, Something in the Water, on Brother Mr. Records. Check out jenniferhartswick.com for social media links, album purchase info, tour dates, and a lot more. Follow us at Performance ANX on social media. Check out performanceanx.threadless.com for stuff. And ko-fi.com slash performanceanxiety if you just want to send us a nice cup of coffee. And now get ready to smile a lot with Jennifer Hartswick on Performance Anxiety on the Pantheon Podcast Network. Hey, this is Jen Hartswick. I'm on the Performance Anxiety. I'm going to start again. <laughs> hey, this <clears throat> then my voice cracked. I'm going through puberty. Hey, this is Jen Hartswick. I'm on the Performance Anxiety Podcast, and we're talking about my new record, Something in the Water. Hope you'll check it out. Well, since... since um, I have no idea what the hell's going on. Um, I've been doing a ton of research in addition to listening oh to your albums. So what, what I'm really interested in is to find out how you got to this point you're at in your career right now. And in listening and, and researching, it sounds to me like you almost didn't have a choice in the career and the, and the life that you've made for yourself because it was, music is really the family business. I mean, your mom, aunt, grandmother, all musicians or at least insanely ah. talented. Your brother has a comedy club in Vermont. So entertainment and, and musicality are in the family. Yeah. I never stood a chance to do anything else. Um, and uh, that's just the truth and good thing. I like it. Yeah. I can also just be forced into something that I hate. Um, no, I, I feel very, very, very lucky that I knew what I wanted to do from a young age. I think it's, there's so many kids out there or young adults or adult adults who, who still haven't found their way and haven't found their path and don't know what they're good at. And I'm really lucky that I knew really early on what I wanted to do. Oh, for sure. So how, how did the, I guess, how did you 
start off in music? Was trumpet your first instrument or did it start with something else? Trumpet was like my sixth instrument. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I started out on piano when I was about four and my, you know, everybody in my family, they were all music teachers. And um, so we had a, a grand piano in the house. And so I started playing trumpet or or I started playing piano and then saxophone, flute, clarinet. My grandma was a trumpet player. She was also my neighbor growing up and she walked in. I was probably eight years old and I was practicing alto sax and she came over and she goes, you, you got way too much hot air to be playing that stupid thing. (laughs) And so she brought me over a tuba, uh, which introduced me to the brass family. And I thought, well, this is fun and loud and giant and okay. And then shortly thereafter I got a trumpet and, uh, and it was kind of all over. Um, that was the one that I stuck with. I, I played tuba through the whole, through high school, through, through all kinds of things, but, um, but yeah, trumpet was like the one that really stuck. That is awesome. I've got uh, a tuba player, a trumpet player, and a French horn player in the in the house. So you do? That's yes. exciting. Yeah. In fact, uh, well, two of them have graduated. The the trumpet. My oldest daughter played trumpet, and my son plays tuba, and they both graduated high school. My so cool. My youngest daughter is the French horn player, and she uh, actually just became the drum major. So, and here's here's Excellent. my trumpeter. So there's my trumpet. Hey, how are you? Good, how are you? Trumpet the trumpet, let's go. Let's play some duets. <laughs> I have to relearn some to stuff. It's been a minute. Up. Yeah. Okay, I got time. There you go. There you go. There's nothing going on. <laughs> All right, get out here. I got to record stuff. All right, nice to meet you. <laughs> she said you too. <laughs> awesome. So, All right, so um, I've she loves the albums i've been trying to share them with the kids and all because with all the brass in it you know they that figured yeah. that would be something they would love so they've been yeah. enjoying it just as much as i have so thank you so much so you said you knew really early on that this was going to be your life so <laughs> was it difficult to to study in school i mean could you end up going to to school for, to college for music yeah um I just sort of, I kind of made up my own rules <laughs> nice, like uh, from, from a very early age. I was also from a family who really believed in that. Um, you know, not every conforming thing is for everybody, obviously. Right. Um, and so even when I was in eighth grade, we had an incredible music program at our high school. And in eighth grade, I would go to two classes in the morning and then I would go to take all the high school ba- music classes when I was in eighth grade. Wow. And so I really kind of went to that high school for five years without... <laughs> without, you know, staying back or anything, but, um, I got to be in that program for five years and, and then I did go to music school for, for a hot second, but most of my incredible, you know, sort of early training was, was really in high school. And so, you know, when you get to college, it's nice because you, there's very few things that you have to take and you can concentrate on the things that you love. It just wasn't really the, the right place for me necessarily. So I ended up bowing out, which many of us do. In yeah. this profession. I, I did that with photography. So yeah, like if you make it to four years, you're in a very small percentile. Yeah. Oh yeah. my gosh, that's so true. In that short time that you were there, you actually were asked to teach a class. Is that right? Well, that's correct. Yeah. How, what? How does that happen? You're in a music school oh. as a student, and they're like, "Hey, you want to teach this class instead of attend it?" Yeah, it was. Um, Yeah, I just, I happen to be really good at sight reading music, sight singing, sight reading. It was just something that we learned how to do along with reading English. We read music. And so I didn't know that that was um, such a 
a strange skill. Um, <laughs> and I found myself um, in in an ear training class, and on the first day of class, our um, the dean of the school passed out um, a transcription of a Coltrane solo to some obs- really obscure song that nobody knew. Okay. And he asked us to sing it, sight sing it. Oh, wow. No accompaniment, no nothing. And so he counted it off, and within the first three measures, you know, the whole class had dropped off, and I kept going. And I, I said, do you, I wasn't trying to be a smartass. I just said, do you want me to keep going? Yeah. And he sort of folded his arms, and he said, yeah, keep going. <laughs> and, like, and so I, I read the whole page down, and at the end of it, everyone burst out into applause. Wow. And I thought, like everyone should be able to do this. This is not special. I actually, it upset me. You know what I mean? It was like, oh, wow. this is like something that everybody should, I I think everybody should have this skill, you know? Especially at that an, level. Yeah. Taking that and, course. and so the, he, he said, can I see you after class? And he held me after class and he said, would you be interested in teaching this class? And I said, no, thank you. I quit school. I was <laughs> like, that was the moment that I quit because I, I felt like wow. I'm paying for this education. And like, this is not the right place for me. Yeah. So anyway, that's just, wow. I don't know. That's wild. I wish I could still sight read that well for what it's <laughs> worth. That's not me like tooting my own horn. That was just like, at that point in my life, I was a great reader, you know? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is, therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. Maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help. Or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with the stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist, so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Try doing that in person. So join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And a special offer to Performance Anxiety listeners you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com slash performance anxiety. That's betterhelp.com slash performance anxiety. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this podcast. So how often are you singing your trumpet solos? And how does that uh, work? I mean, is, are you actually <laughs> just singing it? Or are you, are you going... I mean, it depends. It, it, it really, it depends. I mean, when we were making this last album, it's like... Um, I went through and I sang a bunch of stuff and then that would become the vocal solo and then I would add trumpet parts in between. We can talk about that later, but, yeah. uh, yeah. you know, uh, it, it all comes in handy is all I'm saying. All, all, all of the skills that I've learned along the way, I'll find a way to use them somehow. <laughs> it's not like algebra. I still haven't used algebra, but I still use sight reading every day, every yeah. other day, maybe. <laughs> yeah. I don't know too many people actually end up using algebra. I'm going to call bullshit on that whole you use this at some point in your life yeah so I'm sure maybe somebody does listen somebody does someone doesn't use the musical education that they got but they use algebra okay. so I'm, I'm convinced of that somehow it makes me feel better about myself <laughs> life and my school system 
so when you went to college for you know the brief time that you did, you had made up your mind that this was the path for you. Was your family really supportive of that? that choice always always super supportive oh awesome yeah i mean they they're they're wonderful creative folks who essentially instilled in me that anything that i wanted to do was okay and a possibility and you just got to work hard at it so um yeah they're incredibly supportive that is amazing i, I see i love hearing that you don't hear that all the time and but when, yeah. when you do it's it's amazing and it's also, I think, important for, you know, we were all in the same industry. We all appreciated the same thing. But there are parents out there who have kids who are really passionate about something that they don't understand. Yeah. Um, and it's hard for them to, to give them the same advice, I think, you know. Um, sure. But it's important. And if your kid shows interest in something, you just got to nurture it, you know. Yeah, like, exactly. Everybody's here for a different reason. And, and um, you know, I wholeheartedly believe that it can be really hard for, for parents to do that. So, yeah. How did you end up meeting Trey Anastasio? Trey and I met when I was still in high school. I was living in Vermont. I was born and raised in Vermont, which is a very, very small state. We, we all kind of know each other. Yeah. Um, it was, of course, massive at that point. It would have been 1997, 1998. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, and he was making a solo record in his basement, as I recall. And, uh, <laughs> And he needed a trumpet player, and he asked around, and this sax player, Dave Grippo, who we used to play with forever, um, he's like, oh, you haven't met Jen yet? You're going to love Jen. And I went into the studio with him and and um, played this very strange piece of music called At the Barbecue, which I highly recommend you check out. I, I uh, listened to that. That you, Yeah, strange. You listened to At the Barbecue? Yes, I yeah. did. of that is that no one no instrument enters on the same segment of the beat so it's all like boop, beep, boop, beep, boop, doo, doo, doo. it kind of sounds like video game music a little bit it, but yeah weird barbecue video game at a gazebo where there's like six people present <laughs> um, anyway and um you know we kind of hit it off from there and um i went away to college for a hot minute and he did whatever he did and then um you know, I when I quit school, I happened to be, um, I packed up my stuff and 10 minutes outside of the driveway, my Nokia brick cell phone rang and it was Trey. I talked to him in probably like a year and a half and, hey, what are you doing? I said, I don't know, I just quit school. Yeah. <laughs> you in a band with me? I was like, yeah. What are you doing right now? I said, I don't drive, I'm driving back to Vermont, I guess. I don't really know what I'm doing. It's kind of a, anyway, he said, well, we're right now. Yeah. He said, well, we're rehearsing at my house. Can you just come to my house? I said, sure. And so I drove straight to his house and then we were on tour two weeks later and that wow. was 22 years ago. Wow. So yeah. literally 10 minutes after you, you're done, the phone rings yeah. with this opportunity. Yep. That's insane. Your gut kids is yep. all I'm saying. I agree. Oh my God. That is amazing. And yeah. so at that time, were you a fan of fish and like the, and the jam band no. scene? No, no. no. 
<laughs> no, I absolutely wasn't. I was like a full-on jazz nerd, band nerd. I loved classical music. I loved, no, I was like a, the farthest thing from a fan of, of that band. And because it was all happening as I, like right before I graduated high school, my, my whole senior yearbook is just full of comments from people being like, good luck with fish. Oh my God, I can't believe you know fish. And I was like, I don't care at all. Yeah. Like, I'm going to be headlining, you know, the North Sea Jazz Festival in five years. I don't, this guy is never, this is like a one-off. I mean, that was really, truly how I felt. Wow. I was like, I met this guy. That's fine. It was a gig for a day. Like, let's keep it moving. I didn't know that he was part of my daily life for the rest of my life. Um, but, you know, life's funny like that. No kid, Life is stranger than um, shit. Yeah. How difficult is it to tour? I, mean, I, I am not super familiar with Fish's work. I'm somewhat, you know, touched on it here and there, but I know people who live and breathe this stuff. Yeah. How difficult was it to prepare for a tour? I don't, I don't know how deep the discography was by 97, 98. I'm not sure exactly sure. So I do know that they are known for not playing the same thing. Yeah. Over and over again. You know, each yeah. set is different. How hard is it for you to not know everything, have a couple oh. of weeks to prep and then go out on a tour? The good thing is that so this was this wasn't with Fish, it was with a with Trace oh, um, yeah, at okay. that point new band. So okay. I've been there for the writing of everything since day one because the band what didn't exist yet. Okay. Uh, right. I'm so, getting my Trey Anastasio stuff confused. Yeah, okay. No, it's all good. It's all the same family. So um so I mean our catalog is also incredibly deep. And, it, and we have a 20 plus year history of him writing like, you know, 10 songs a week for 25 <laughs> years or whatever. And so, you know, and, and we don't, we have everything memorized and all the arrangements and all the lyrics and all the horn parts. And, you know, the horn section plays full on double duty as the vocal section and the horn section. It's a ton of work. His work ethic, Trey's work ethic is like no one else's. You can ask anybody, like anybody on the planet. And <laughs> if you spent it. a day with him, it, it's, it's insane. And his whole motto for living is it, it, it's so good. It should be even better. Wow. So like if something was great, it's like, Oh, that arrangement's great. It's like, cool. It's so good. It should be even better. And, and there's never, there's always a feeling of like, there's something more that we can do. Um, so there's never like a resting on your laurels. There's no, you know, he works, he works, he works, he works. And I think that's one of the reasons that he's been so successful is because, um, he really, really believes in what he's doing and he works really hard at it. And I think it can appear as though like, Oh, you're in a rock band and you just skate by and adoring fans scream for you and whatever. And like that, that ain't it, you know, that's why he's had the, a 40 year career quite yeah. literally. He's just turned 58. Um, so it's a 40 year career in this business, which is unheard of. That's and he's cranking harder than he ever has before. So it, it's a, he's, he's a special breed. So with his work in, in the Trey Anastasio band, are you, how does, how does it work with, the horn parts is he writing that and you're learning it or are you contributing to the writing process of that or 
Yeah, it, it works. It works all different ways. Um, it depends on on what the song is and what okay. it needs. You know, we do vocal arrangements. We do um, horn arrangements. Sometimes, if it's something more complicated or more potentially like orchestral sounding, he has an or- uh, his amazing orchestral arranger come in and sort of like, you know, it, there's all kinds of different things that happen. Um, and that's also one of the cool things is that when you have a few different kinds of contributors, it gets to sound different. It doesn't sound like the same. Old, same old, same old, same yeah. old, because you only have the same people involved. But there's many, many of those arrangements where you know we all wrote the horn parts together, or the horn section did, or the you know it's a it's a full contact sport. <laughs> <laughs> so you also do the background vocals with the band. When did were you always singing? Was singing always a part of what you did musically? Yeah, I was always involved in um, in choir and musical theater and all that kind of stuff growing up, okay. um, which is sort of, I think, why I was a confident kid, because I was always on, on a stage of some sort. And so, yeah, I, I always I always sang. I mean, I, I think I came into my own in my mid-20s as far as, like, you know, knowing what my own voice sounded like, because I, I had a... I was always playing a role or in a support role also. I was always playing a role in a, in a theater production, which is like, okay, you're playing a part. What does your voice sound like? You know, it's, right. it's, it's not necessarily the same thing. Or you are supporting a singer and you have to sound like you're supporting that singer. And if right. it's a singer-songwriter, you're not going to be some bluesy, belty backup singer, you know? Exactly. And so yeah. it really took a while for, until I started fronting my own band for, for me to ask myself, like, what I actually sound like. And so that's been uh, an evolution, just like everything else. At what point did you decide this is what it's time for me to to do a solo album? And I have a few questions about this because doing the research, I found. All right. So I look through discogs to find discographies. And then Mm -hmm. I also go on YouTube to try to listen when possible. But they're not exactly jibing in this instance. Okay. So the first thing I see on Discogs is an album called Fuse. Mm-hmm. But that's not anywhere on YouTube. On YouTube. Correct. On YouTube, <laughs> there's an album called Ocean Floor, which yep. is not on Discogs. Oh, interesting. So it's not? No. Oh, we got to do that. Yeah, exactly. Because I, I was listening to Ocean Floor. And first of all, the title track is mind blowing. I absolutely mm, love that song. Thank you. It's an amazing album, but that's my favorite track on that album. It's oh, incredible. So was Fuse technically your first solo release? Yeah, that was my um, first solo release that I made in my early 20s um, when I started to go out with my own band. And in in true youngster form, we had... I had an 11 person band riding around in an 11 person van. Um, We were out for three months. I think everybody came home with $300. (laughs) We would would be in... um, 
we couldn't afford hotel rooms, so we would get two, like, you know, $39 sleep ins, two rooms with queens, and fit five in one and six in the other. Somebody in the bathtub, somebody between the two beds, somebody, you know, we bring pillows and sleeping bags, and, wow. you know, it, it's the same story that everybody has. You know? Paying <laughs> like, your dues yeah. hard. Sometimes you get to go play Madison Square Garden, and then sometimes this is how you build your your own career, you know. Um, so we did that for a long time, but that was when Fuse came out was was in that era. Wow. Um, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> we'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Hey guys, I want to talk to you about socks for a second. Why not? It's a music podcast, but. I tried a pair of socks from Boldfoot and loved them. I've only worn them once because my kids have stolen them. So in my household, that's the best endorsement I can give. And I guess it's fitting because the design I chose was Jailbait. Wait, Jailbird. The design I chose was Jailbird. I might keep that in. The socks are 100% American made and 5% of all proceeds go to veteran charities. It makes sense seeing that Boldfoot is a family and veteran owned company. They have a huge variety of styles. So check out boldfoot.com and buy some of the best socks you've ever slapped on your feet and help veterans while you're at it. That's boldfoot.com. You mentioned Madison Square Garden. So at around that, I guess maybe around that time, that was your first fish show was Madison, one of the Madison Square Garden shows, right? Was it a New Year's Eve show? Yeah. That's a hell of a way to break in from what I understand. That's, those yeah, are insane shows. Yeah. No, it was uh, it was a spectacular event. I will say, (laughs) that is amazing. It's if I was if I had a chance to go, that's one of the ones I would go see if if possible. I don't know how much. It's got to be almost impossible to get tickets, though. I imagine. Uh, it's you just got to get on it early. (laughs) A couple years early. By which which I mean, like you sit on the website. prior and then as soon as the second goes to the second that they're on sale you hit the buy button yeah oh my god that's what i've been told i don't know i don't i'm i'm lucky i don't have to buy them exactly (laughs) (laughs) one of the perks yeah (laughs) like i don't know how that works i've never had to buy a ticket i don't know oh so we have the the first soul album comes out and then so what came out (laughs) what's the next is ocean floor the next one I actually think there was one in between there. I made um, a, like a straight ahead jazz record in 2007, I believe, called True. That was really just um, like a gift to um, it was a charitable donation. Um, okay. My aunt was going through breast cancer and I wanted to do something to raise money for her. So I made a record and I sold it and gave her all the proceeds. Oh, wow. um, so it was a very, um, you know, it, we spent two or three days in the studio and and kind of it was a, not a super produced situation, but that is out there somewhere. And then we made Ocean Floor, I think in 2011, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. Someone can check me on that. Um, and I made that in Chicago um, with some friends of mine when I was living out there. So the first two, are, are there vocals on those or is they, are they instrumental? There are vocals on those too, yeah. Okay. So you, yeah. so that's you, you kind of really started experimenting and finding your voice with those two, and then yeah. to me, it's amazing. Your voice is just unreal. To, Thank you. I'm just absolutely blown away. The, in fact, the first song I heard was off of Nexus. It mm-hmm. was um, uh, "You Can't Take It Back," which mm-hmm. 
That's it's just an amazing song. It's such a great album. in hearing listening to Nexus and Ocean Floor and your brand new one is that the writing is so good so solid it's you're not writing to play a trumpet solo or mm. you're paying you know you're you're developing songs you're, you're paying as much attention to the music as you are to the lyrics to as you are to the actual vocal performance and it's I'm so amazed by it I'm so happy that I got a chance to listen and, and Thank you stuff. so much. That, 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 that means more to me than you know. Um, you know, I, I think the way that I write songs and, and the way that, you know, I write a lot with, with my, my partner in crime, um, Nick Casarino, who produced the new record and who has been my musical sidekick since we were, you know, kids. Yeah. But, you know, the, the music that we made together it's hard to compare it to anything. We're not out here making pop hits. We're not making, you know, like we're not necessarily making songs that are, are for radio, certainly, you know, right. um, like regular radio. And I find that more interesting. I have really great friends. I live in Nashville and I have really great friends who make their living as, as songwriters okay. solely. They don't, they don't have performance careers. They write songs for, to sell to other people for them to make money off of. Wow. Okay. So, which is kind of a foreign concept to me <laughs> um, because I'm like, we're sort of always taught to, to, that we have to do it all. Musicians have to be able to do it all. They have to write, they have to sing, they have to play, they have to write lyrics, they have to write music, they have to be tour managers, they have to be travel agents, they have to be, you know, like every, we have to do everything. Yeah. We, and, and that's still to this day, this is how I operate. And and it's there's so much that goes on behind the scenes but what i will say is that these the, i was talking to a songwriter buddy of mine who's a very successful writer and he was like well if you're not writing music to sell it what the hell are you making it for and i was wow. like oh, so interesting like it, that's it's like it, i was so taken aback you know what i'm saying <laughs> yeah, that, i was like well because it makes me feel good because I need it because I would want to hear a song like this. Yeah. And I would want to discover, you know, if you listen to, um, I don't know if you're hip to hiatus coyote. I've heard. Uh, yes. It, she, she and her band are so dope yeah. making music that doesn't sound like anything else. And that it, like really fires me up. And like, no, you're not going to turn on pop radio and hear it, but like, it moves me. It's so interesting and so different. And I don't know. I just like, I, I totally get off on that. Um, and so hopefully people feel like that. I mean, that's, that's to me, that's the goal is like for, for people who, for, I, I, I feel like I make music for musicians more than anything, you know, like we want to yeah. hear interesting stuff. Oh yeah. And, and, and I hope everyone <laughs> likes it, but like, you know, it's not, you're not going to. You're not going to hear in the grocery store, I don't think. If you do, then great. Hey. That's a great station. It's a great grocery that. store. Oh, a great grocery store. Man, I'd love to hear this at the grocery store. I'd, I'd be a lot happier than this. Buy stuff. It'd make you buy stuff. Oh, yeah. 
yeah. a lot more than the crap they play now. That's I know sure. it's so sad. I get really sad. I don't want to buy anything. <laughs> I think it like it depletes the nutrients in the fruits and vegetables. Sad <laughs> <laughs> music playing. Everybody needs their daily dose of, of jazz and R and B. Yes. <laughs> I do. I know. I do. <laughs> I do now. I, it's funny because it's not, they're not genres that I naturally gravitate toward. I, I mean, I, I grew up in the eighties, nineties. So I was big into metal and yeah. grunge and all. And then this is a lot different than what I would normally listen to, but I, I have yeah. fallen in love with it. It is so, oh, cool, so man. beautiful. And, but it, it kind of, it, I shouldn't be surprised because I was looking at some of the people you've played with. I mean, Carlos Santana, Tom Petty, Herbie Hancock, you know, it's, it's amazing. And I shouldn't have been surprised at how, how fantastic the albums were because of the work that you've done in the past. Is it tough to, to prep for working with like legendary artists like that? I mean, are are, are you given music? Are, are you going to, what are you doing with these people? <laughs> what are you doing with these people? Um, I, every situation is different. Sometimes you walk into the room completely in the dark. Yeah. Um, and sometimes you're given music ahead of time. You, you know, what we do on a daily basis is we have to be on our toes and, and be prepared. But I mean, for anything, yeah. and that comes in training and experience and all every moment that led you up to today, you know, with, with Herbie Hancock, I mean, he, I walked in, we didn't, there was no music. It was all being written on the spot. Wow. And he said, why don't you go in there and play a little bit and then sing a little bit and blah, blah, blah whatever. It was just like, and I... Of all the people that I've worked with, I think I was the most freaked out to be there with him, uh, given that. my background. And so, and I was young. I, I was, I don't know, maybe I was in my twenties, maybe late twenties, but I was in my twenties. And so anyway, he could obviously tell that I was nervous and I went into the booth to go play some trumpet and he followed me in there. I had my headphones on he followed me in there and and he picked up one headphone and gave me the greatest advice that I've ever received to date, which oh, is, and he's like, his mouth is like right at my ear. And he goes, listen, the only mistake you can make is not being yourself. And then he put the can down and he walked away. Wow. <laughs> like, you know what I'm like? I, <laughs> I had just like, you want to talk about a mic drop, you know? Um, Damn really meant a lot to me. And I, I think about it every day still. I yeah. Like, I can still think about it. I can imagine. He's, I mean, he's not wrong. No, that's it. We all bring our own unique brand of whatever to whatever we're doing. And I think it's so, uh, I'm going to slightly soapbox it up here for a second. I think there's so many kids and so many young people who are so influenced by outside stuff because we, now they can't help it. Yeah. We, 
grew up in an era where we didn't have, you know, the internet was not a thing. Right. We can remember like a teeny bit of when the internet was not a thing and there was no Instagram and no one's comparing themselves to everybody else every moment of the day. Right. Also with the sort of Instagram generation, you only see the result. You don't see the work. So every kid feels like they're supposed to be good at things and they don't understand how, how long it takes to get there and yeah. what beauty there is in getting there and falling on your ass every, every day. Yeah. And I, it just, it does such a great disservice to people. So I'm really blessed to have grown up where I, where that wasn't an issue. I grew yeah. up in the woods where I got to figure out who I was before anybody was ever looking at me. Um, and I got to have experiences and hone my skills and all that kind of stuff. And which is what we've all been doing in our own rights for, for our whole lives. But anyway, that's a tangent. I was not expecting to go on. <laughs> <laughs> I, feel, yeah. I feel like you pretty much most of your life, I'm getting the sense that you had a pretty good sense of, of self for most of your, your, your life anyway. So I did, I did, but, and that, I blame it on my parents and they say, no way, dude, that was you. <laughs> like you came in knowing you wow. came the second that you got here, you knew who you were, which is a tough thing to swallow. Cause you want to, you want to say it's about somebody else, you know, in the upbringing that you had, but some, some people come in here knowing a little bit more than, than others or, or more aware of it. I will say. Oh, I agree. hundred you know, percent. So, yeah. I'm, I, but I don't take that for granted. Yeah. I, so you know. with your albums and the live shows, are you working with pretty much the same group of people recording and touring uh, when it's, when it's um, just your, your work? Yeah. Touring gets hard because everybody has really different schedules. Everyone has a zillion things going on at once. Um, so we do as we, we, we keep it as much the same as we can. These shows coming up, I have some shows in the Midwest next that start next week. And those will be Nick Casarino, Connor Alms, who are both on the record. And it'll be Desron Douglas on bass um, and James Casey on on tenor and, and vocals. And James and Desron are both in the Trey family. I've known for a long time. So those shows will be really fun. Yeah. And, and sometimes, you know, sometimes the, the particular gig dictates the, the band members. If it's like, you know, it just depends. <laughs> I say that a lot, but it, it really does. There's a zillion factors that go into like who's playing what gig. But have you been writing your own music this whole time? I mean, this, you know, since before working with Trey or, or is it that a new thing? Yeah. Yep. Wow. Yeah. Um, and that's a skill just like anything else that I think you get better at the more you do it. I still don't enjoy the process necessarily. <laughs> what is your what do the process? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, no, everything comes differently. Sometimes you get a lyric, sometimes you get a melody, sometimes you get chords, sometimes no. And if I, if I did it more often, maybe I would have a, like a, a better formula by now. Uh, <laughs> But that's one of those things that even at my age, I don't, I, I, I still am positive. I'm not good at yet. So, uh, so you and, don't make yourself sit down and write every day or anything like that. I don't. And I, and I wish I did even once a week. I, I wish that I would just find the time to do that because everything gets in the way. Yeah. Um, and you find yourself in a different city every day and you have to work all night and travel all day. And you know, um, it's just, if I'm home, that's usually when I'm writing, but I'm home about two days a month yeah. and they're usually not consecutive. No. And you want to spend time with your husband at that point. Yeah. It'd be nice to like, you know, hang out with my family. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So when did you start writing this album? Was this um, 
something, a, a product of the pandemic or did you start beforehand or? Absolutely. No, we found ourselves just sort of in this um, time period. We wrote it in January of 2021. And so we had all been locked away for, you know, a good 10 months at this point. Yeah. And I think people were, you know, still scared of stuff at that point, but but feeling braver and feeling like, okay, all right, we got to figure this out because we can't keep going like this. And, and we exactly. all miss playing music and writing and see, just seeing each other, quite honestly. And so Nick and Aaron Boyd and I went to Vermont and, um, and to, Nick's family has a super good family friend, has uh, runs a beautiful inn in Vermont. Mm. And they leave for three months um, to go to Florida during the bitter, bitter winter. And so it's empty. And they moved in there for the three months and I went up for 10 days and, um, and we wrote the album in the snowy, bitter, gorgeous, gorgeous Vermont winter. 10 days. Yeah. Wow. It's incredible. The songs are so beautiful. I mean, all right. So my particular favorites, I, I love by the river guilty. I just had to keep on moving. So I was back in your arms again Guilty I'm guilty And I'll be guilty The rest of my life Enamored and when I'm weary, those are those are the ones that I, I keep going back to now. Yeah. I'm sure they'll change yeah. as I as I listen more yeah. and more. But but I yeah. those are the what was it one two three four? <laughs> yeah, I can't those, they, those are the four that I keep going back to at the moment. Yeah, um, enamored. It's funny because enamored we wrote toward the end of the session. Uh, we we kind of said you know we. We, st we just threw out some things, some subject matters that we wanted to write about, first of all. Okay. I mean, it, anything. Um, and then we got about, you know, five or six days in and realized that we hadn't written a love song. Uh, and we're both very much in love with our partners and have wonderful partners. And it's tough to write a love song that's not cheesy. It's like real, but not cheesy. And so that was the goal. We set out to write a love song that wasn't cheesy. <laughs> My husband actually sings backup vocals on it. <laughs> really? Oh, that's awesome. Yep. When I'm at home, wrap my arms around you. Feel so rich, I'm enamored by you. Here I am writing songs about you. Never, ever wanna live without you. Time just stands still. With you, I just... Guilty is actually, um, I would love to take credit for Guilty. Guilty is a Randy Newman song. Oh, is it? Okay. Yeah. Excellent. And it's, um, I first heard, I actually n didn't hear Randy Newman sing it until, until I started doing like a little digging. I heard Joe Cocker sing it. Oh, wow. And I thought, and the way that he sings this song and the way that the song is written, I just thought this is the single saddest song I have ever heard in my entire <laughs> life. It really is. And like, I just like... I don't know, man. I was really like, uh, I was just moved by it. And I, and I just selfishly wanted to sing the song. That's all it is. That's like, a, I want to sing this song. Hey, that's a perfectly valid reason. That's awesome. I know. 
book. It's, it's not. Yeah, I, I just I went with it. I well, said, you know, it's okay. Now, um, and yeah, I was. Gonna say, I've got to do some digging because Randy Newman and Joe Cocker. I right. That's I know. Check out the Joe Cocker, the Joe Cocker one first because the Randy Newman's really strange. <laughs> it's like it's a very strange arrangement. It's got really strange uh, string parts behind it that are completely dissonant. It's very. I, check it out second is all okay. I'm saying. <laughs> you know, first, you will never be like, I hate this song. I don't know what it, what this is. Um, I never would have recorded it if that's the first wow. version. Um, and then by the river I wrote after that session it was the last thing that I wrote and and once we had recorded the entire album I felt like there was something missing Um, and we recorded everything and and obviously not everything makes the record right Right, so we like you know 14 tunes or something and and then we narrow it down to our favorites and i felt like there was something missing i I said i feel like there's like a just a joy bomb palate cleanser thing that needs to happen like just a celebratory something and i wrote that song in about three and a half minutes wow Um, it's a complete autobiography of my young childhood and the celebration of being a girl playing in the mud and and all the stuff that i got to do (laughs) singing my butt off where no one could hear me and and hanging out with my brother and my boy cousin and you know <laughs> anyway that's what it's about that's that's all it is and um, awesome. and I was so happy that that we were able to put it on there that was like the missing piece for me it is it's fantastic imagery it's one of the, the reasons I love it so much is the lyrics yeah. it's, it's it happened it's because everything in there happened <laughs> so you're out on the road right now Mm-hmm. Uh, are, you, are you touring with Trey at the moment or are you doing your yeah, own stuff? I'm out, I'm out here with Trey um, through this week okay. and then I start a tour. I go home for one day <laughs> and then start a tour of my stuff. And then um, I'm out with uh, Phil Lesh for three or four shows in New York and then I come back for Trey Halloween. Uh, and then we start, Trey starts another whole November tour. And so I'm basically out until Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. Um, and then I'll get to play more with my band um, in early 2023. Do you know at the moment? Is it going to be the same crew, same group of people for when you go out? It should be. Yeah, it should. It should be m- most of those guys. Yeah. Oh, that is awesome. I'm, I got to keep an eye out because I would love to see your show. Cause oh, where are you located? I should have asked you that before. Just outside of Washington, D.C. I'm in Winchester, Virginia. Okay, cool. So, cool. Home of Patsy Klein. Hey. So, so. <laughs> I can sing, but I won't. <laughs> Feel free. <laughs> What's the best way for people to pick up the album and to follow you and find out when you're touring and you know who you're touring with? 
Yeah. Um, the best way is to just go to jenniferhartswick.com. That's got everything on there. You know, social media is great. Jay Hartswick on most things. And that'll let you know where I'm going to be and with whom. The best way to get the album, quite honestly, I feel, is to come to a show and pick it up off the table yourself. I love that. Um, we're a real good time. It's a really fun show. It's a really fun show. We, it's, uh, it's, you know, we're we're also we're musicians, but we're also entertaining. I think I'm entertaining. I, I think we're. I think you're hilarious. <laughs> I was, I've been listening to a bunch of podcasts that you've done earlier the past couple of years, and uh, I've been enjoying them just to listen to them. I, oh, thanks! They're a blast. So usually my mouth is a lot dirtier, but <laughs> I think for you for some reason I don't know I don't know why you, but That's, you're. Probably because yeah. my my daughter swung. Came That's by. exactly right. You introduced me to your daughter in the first forty seconds, and yeah. so I behaved myself. Oh, she's been out of the room for like forever. Oh, my other daughter. Yeah, but, yeah. Oh, hi. She's oh, she's coming. She likes to say hi when she can. So this is my French horn player slash drum major. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? This is Jennifer hey, nice Hartswick. She plays. I think trumpet. French horn is one of the very, 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 very hardest instruments on the planet, and the most beautiful. Oh, thank you. So if you're if you're rocking that thing, then congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> she, she's now the drum major for the high school marching band. So oh, so cool. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> My tuba player is out fixing his car right now. So oh, okay. He's, he's also the mechanic of the family. Well, so, that's good. So. I'm not saying there's not a lot of tuba gigs out there, but there's more mechanic gigs than tuba gigs. <laughs> for <but>. sure. <laughs> right, I don't cool. say I bet. You know from experience. That's yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> so you're, meet, you're meeting almost the entire family at this point, man. I love it. <laughs> tell, tell your tuba player I said hey too, and I'm I, sorry, Mister. I will. I will. <laughs> so, so um, all right. So the best way to follow you is to go to the website and check the links there. You got your social media links, everything there. Yep, everything's all linked in that cute little page. Awesome, awesome. Well, before I just went and followed you on on Instagram and a. Um, personal and the uh, podcast sites so i'll be hey, following thanks. you but thank you so much i know I've, I've taken up a bunch of your time it's been kind of scatter shot here it's a little little i got That's thrown what, welcome to life yeah uh, <laughs> thank you so much for all your time i really do appreciate it oh man it's my pleasure so nice to meet you and i'll see you out there you too talk to you later 